Welcome to the Jay Kim Show. This is your host, Jay Kim. I am an investor, author, and fitness entrepreneur. And for the first time in Asia, I sit down with the world's most brilliant minds in business, investing, and entrepreneurship. You'll learn all the secrets, strategies, and formulas to becoming a successful entrepreneur directly from the masters. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insight to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. If you follow the startup scene at all, especially here in Hong Kong, you will definitely know that fintech is all the buzz these days. It has been for the last several years. Fintech is essentially the application of technology in the financial services industry, and it's particularly popular here in Hong Kong due to the city's prominence as a global financial center. So because of this and its proximity to China, Hong Kong sits well positioned becoming one of the top three global fintech hubs. So today's guest is Andy Chan. And he is the co-founder of a relatively new fintech company called Cupidal. The company is fresh off a seed round of funding, which was led by both local Hong Kong VC investor Mindworks Ventures and, of course, powerhouse investor Alibaba. It is, in fact, both of the firm's very first fintech investment in Hong Kong in their portfolio. So that should get a lot of people excited about this particular company. So what exactly does Cupidal do? Cupidal provides a platform for small and medium enterprises to connect with investors and receive immediate financing on their unpaid invoices in a matter of a few clicks. So essentially, if you are running a small to medium-sized enterprise, you get your cash up front for your unpaid invoices. And on the funding side, as an investor, you can invest in these invoices and you get access to a diversified asset class. So for those of you who are interested in finance and fintech startups, this is an episode for you. Let's get right onto the show and let's hear what Andy has to say about his latest funding round. Hi, Andy. Thank you for joining us on the Jay Kim Show. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Jay. Uh, it's a pleasure. I look forward to speaking to you. <laughs> Thanks. For our listeners uh, tuning in from Asia, around Asia, and from overseas, maybe you can uh, give us a little bit of an introduction. Who is Andy Chan, and what do you do for a living? Right. I'm Andy. I grew up and studied in New Zealand, and then uh, I went to college, uh, majored in economics and computer science at Brown University. And then my uh, first job out of college was a software engineering role. It was in Denmark at a uh, legal tech startup where we created a platform which is like an online arbitration, so kind of helping people resolve disputes online rather than through the public courts, which take a long time. So. Right now, I'm a co-founder and CEO of Cupidal, where we operate a marketplace for uh, SMEs who can discount their accounts receivables by connecting them to a pool of uh, professional investors. Interesting. Okay, so you were born and raised in New Zealand? Yeah. Okay. And uh, your family is still there? Yeah, some of my family is still there, and but they're all over the place right now, so... Uh, but I'm based in Hong Kong. Right. And so you, I guess you have, do you have family ties in Hong Kong or was Hong Kong just a location that you decided to move to? Yeah, for... my family was based in Hong Kong before they moved to New Zealand. So I have some roots here. Got it. 
Okay, that's nice. This being a Hong Kong-based podcast, you know, I'm I'm very pro Hong Kong and always uh, enjoy speaking to Hong Kong founders or Hong Kong-based founders. So yeah, uh, it's a uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. So. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your sort of entrepreneurial journey. Um, well, let's start with that. So you said you, after New Zealand, you went to Brown University. And then what what made you decide that you wanted to pursue, you know, entrepreneurship or working at a startup? So I majored in computer science and a lot of my friends and schoolmates were into tech. And there was a lot of events at school, like hackathons and uh, mm-hmm. entrepreneurship pitch competitions, things like that. And uh, I went through a incubator with the school and um, that's when I decided that software and tech is where I'd like to pursue my career. And uh, a good opportunity uh, popped up for me in, uh, in Denmark and that's when I uh, started working for a startup. And around the same time I noticed that there were these platforms overseas in the UK and the US, which uh, was doing similar accounts receivables exchanges uh, like Jupiter. So uh, I looked at Hong Kong's market and saw that there wasn't a player here. So uh, that's where I met my co-founder, Winston. Um, we met through playing basketball. And then he has been in this uh, accounts receivables factoring space before. So he brought a lot of uh, experience from that and then we started building out our prototype and you know, getting getting customers on board and uh, trying to run run the platform so we were able to generate traction and get, get, getting um, some initial investment from a Hong Kong VC uh, Mindworks Ventures right yeah and um, that got us to a stage where we were able to you know, prove more of the concept and uh, getting more users on board and so we recently closed a round where uh, Mindworks Ventures and Alibaba Entrepreneurs Fund uh, led the round and now we're looking forward to expanding our team and uh, getting more users on board. Right, so that, that's, this is the big news. So first of all, congratulations, Andy. That's uh, quite a... Uh, an accomplishment because mo- so this was a still a seed round is that right yeah yeah okay so seed round but the fact that it was led by both mindworks ventures which uh, i know david well and he is uh is one of the rising star vc investors here in hong kong also a, a big advocate of the ecosystem here so we uh, we have a lot to talk about all the time, and Alibaba, of course, um, you know, probably one of the largest players in the world, and especially their their this this is their very first uh, fintech investment. So this is quite big news, and again, it's a, it's a big milestone. So congratulations. Just taking a step back, I'm I'm curious to hear about the concept itself. So. Essentially, you said that while you were at your other company, before you started Cupidal, you had seen a similar business model. Is that right? Yeah. So one of my uh, seniors at school was working at the U.S. firm called the Receivables Exchange. And then I started doing research on these different uh, receivables marketplaces around the world and uh, saw that there were some in the U.K., uh, Spain, and the U.S., so... That's when I really thought that 
there was an underserved market in Hong Kong for SMEs. Um, I have friends and families that work in and start SMEs in Hong Kong, especially in the trading sector. And they have a lot of these uh, long unpaid invoices, 30 days, 90 days, 120 days. And we saw that this product could really help these people, help grow their businesses and improve the liquidity in the market. It's pretty interesting. And so you, and then you said you met your co-founder playing basketball. Yeah. So, and he has, he was working in that space in, to some, in some capacity. Is that right? Right, right. Okay. This is quite interesting because... Uh, when did you guys start? You guys started a couple of years ago? Well, we started in uh, actually last year, March uh, 2016. So it's been, you know, uh, only one year, but a lot has happened. And yeah, we've learned a lot uh, about ourselves and also about the Hong Kong market. So uh, it's been an exciting and very painful year for us. Very exciting. And so what comes to mind, uh, to my mind immediately is, uh, when you think about some of the more successful Hong Kong startups that have have uh, have worked, so the natural thing, the first thing that you do is you look at what works in Silicon Valley or what works elsewhere globally, and then you try to replicate that within the Hong Kong market. So, you know, maybe five years ago, if you jumped on that trade, there could have been a lot of there might have been a lot of opportunity or or similar similar businesses that could have worked within uh, our slightly different ecosystem here in Hong Kong. But concept-wise, if you came to Hong Kong and you were, your execution was very you know, on point and you brought it to market very quickly, um, it's probably easier back then for you to be somewhat successful in replicating something like that. Now, when you fast forward, if you, know, you told me that you started only last year, I feel like it's getting more and more difficult because all the ideas <laughs> that of to replicate businesses that work elsewhere are, are taken up. And so the fact that you were able to find uh, this business, you know, in kind of a niche uh, segment, slightly obscure for people outside of uh, that arena and, and even within finance, you know, it's not really that popular or well talked about um, as an asset class. Yeah. But the fact that you were able to find that and then build a technology around that to provide this platform, I think is, is incredible. So that, that's, uh, that's good work there. So let's try to, to, to break this down for our listeners, okay? Because I know that uh, while Hong Kong is a financial hub and there are many, many people that are in financial services that might be more familiar with sort of receivables financing and, and how your platform might potentially work, for those listening that don't have any clue on what receivables financing is, maybe you could give us like a 101 for, for the audience. All right, great. So um, let's say there's a, you know, a manufacturer or a distributor of some product, let's call them a PC company, and they're a supplier, mm -hmm. and they're, saying they're selling food products to a supermarket. Uh, right. So that's our account debtor. Let's call them like XYZ company. And so if ABC company sells them a batch of goods and then they will require a lot of the times credit terms. So right. let's say 90-day open account credit term. That, that means that after the goods are delivered, XYZ will wait 90 days before paying for the goods. So right. now you have a 90-day account receivable. Let's say it's worth 100 bucks. Then Jupiter will be able to put that on our platform and advance up to 95% of the invoice value. So $95 and the 
funders on our platform will be able to see that, okay, we have a receivable due from XYZ supermarket and uh, there's an advance of $95 on that. So the funders can bid on this invoice and, and they will get it at a discount. So they're actually paying maybe $98, $99 for the $100 invoice. And right. we will advance $95 to the seller. And then when after 90 days, XYZ company uh, remits the $100, then the funders will get a $2 uh, gain on their 90-day investment. So that's around 2% uh, for 90 days, so roughly about 8% annualized. So that's how we operate. We're just making sure that the seller has a, a new platform where they can put these accounts receivables and then the funders have access to that and they buy it at a discount. So they're paying, let's say, $98 for a $100 invoice. That's pretty cool. Okay, so from a seller, I guess, standpoint, it's working capital requirements. Uh, you know, cash is always king, right? So there's oftentimes where you need that cash in before the receivable hits your books, right? So this is a perfect way for you to then post that onto your platform and find someone to fund it immediately, right? Right, right. So it makes a lot of sense from a business standpoint. And what have you found on from a investor standpoint? How has sort of the demand been for as an asset class? You know, receivables financing uh, as an asset class. Who are who are the types of investors that you see on your platform? Uh, currently, we're getting uh, a lot of family offices or high net worth professional investors. Our volume isn't as high as we can approach some of these funds or. Larger institutional players yet. So mostly, it's been a lot of these professional or sophisticated family offices and high net worth individuals who are sitting on a lot of cash, and they want to have a you know a short term, you know, sixty day, ninety day product where they can generate these uh, annualized yields of you know between eight to fourteen percent, which is what we're uh, getting on our platform so far after uh, running it uh, up till now. And uh, yeah, so far the demand has been pretty good, and, um, but they are looking forward for us to onboard more SMEs. Very interesting. And I mean, this is just right in the heart of, of what an SME needs, you know? I mean, yeah. a lot of these are cash-based businesses or, you know, are heavily reliant, and it, it just fills a perfect uh, uh, you know, need. Now, from a Cupidol standpoint, how do you guys make your money? So uh, we have a platform fee that is between 25 to uh, 75 basis points. Um, it depends on the SME's uh, size, and uh, that's a flat rate that we charge on every invoice that they put onto the platform. And then we also uh, have a 20% carry or a commission from the funder side so that uh, we participate uh, for 20% of whatever gain that they're able to realize on the platform as well. Ah, I see. Okay. And if if I'm a potential investor uh, on the platform, will that uh, be, is there a way that I can basically calculate that very quickly when I'm, before I'm making an investment decision so I see my net return? Right. Yeah. When you, when you place a bid for any invoice on our platform, then you, you can see yeah, what your take uh, is and what the gain, uh, what Cupidals 
takers and uh, how many days it'll take for you to get your uh, return back. Hmm. Interesting. And now, as far as, um, as say, risk management goes, what are the types of measures that you put in for, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm a company, like, how, how, how do you do quality control as far as, um, you know, you, it might be <laughs> not a company that, that uh, is maybe the company is almost going to go bankrupt or, or maybe their, their uh, business line is, is fraudulent or what measures do you have in place uh, on your platform that protects uh, the transaction or the investor? We do full notification. So that means that uh, we have to notify their counterparty, uh, the, the account debtor. So in our example before, we'll notify the supermarket that the seller has entered into a financing agreement with Jupiter and then that mm. must pay into a designated account that we can control. So it's important for factoring facilities to control the uh, remittance bank account. Right. And yes, the flow of funds we, we can actually keep an eye out on. We also have uh, recourse to the seller. So if, the, if for any reason after 60 days after the due date, if there's any reason that the invoice can't be paid, then the SME is still on the hook for the uh, payment back to the funders and the fees associated. Yeah, we have placed a uh, charge onto the account receivables uh, in the company registry in Hong Kong. So that makes sure that um, the SME or the seller can't uh, double finance it and go to you know many different banks or factoring houses. And- hmm. Right. Got it. And what what where what are the is is it mainly Hong Kong based SMEs that are your on your platform or is it um, is it regional or global even? Yeah, right now. Um, the most important things uh, for our business is the legal side of things, and uh, currently, uh, you know, our, our agreements and our contracts just cover uh, sellers in Hong Kong. So, but they can be, you know, exporting uh, to the states or Europe, um, and have uh, the counterparties on, uh, in other countries is fine. But uh, for the actual seller themselves, uh, we're just focusing on Hong Kong right now. Um, but it, you know, our, and it, when we get our next round of investment, so we would be trying to expand uh, to the rest of Southeast Asia. Nice, that's exciting. And let's let's go through the user experience again real quickly. So I mean, obviously, Cupidal is a technology platform. So I imagine that things are extremely streamlined. You know, I mean, yeah. if you were trying to put together a trade finance deal, first of all, the notional amounts that you're dealing with would be would far exceed a normal, you know investor unless you're a very large family office or maybe a institution or a corporate that you'd be able to dabble in the amounts that are necessary but uh, now that we have access to sort of the smaller players like smes that opens up a whole new uh, almost asset class bracket of assets so from a user perspective how long does it take to sort of you know, uh, onboard on the platform, uh, get, you know, accredited or if, if that's part of the process and, uh, you know, participate in your first uh, auction. Right. Um, so, f- yeah, for the sellers, um, usually onboarding takes between one to two weeks. And then afterwards, if they want to put on an invoice, it only takes 24 hours for it to be optioned. And then from the funder's side of things, uh, onboarding is a lot quicker, just a couple of days. Wow, that's quite quick. And how long does the auction process last for? Right now, our auctions go from 10 a.m. to the next uh, day, 10 a.m., so 24 hours. Okay, so it's 24 hours auction. And 
if if I'm a SME or an investor, is there any sort of limits on how much I can post, uh, how, how, how many I, I can participate in or how many invoices I can sell on, on the platform? Yeah, for the SMEs in the beginning as a salary, you kind of need to prove your track record. So we do impose like credit limits on them, uh, but the funders can take on as many invoices as they feel comfortable with. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Now, are there are there other competitors in Hong Kong, the Hong Kong market, doing what you're doing, or was it only overseas that you saw this sort of this sort of platform? Mainly overseas. In Hong Kong, we do see um, different models tackling the same problem of working capital. We are are linking up the buyers and sellers. So in our case, the supermarket and the food supplier. And then they can negotiate uh, a discount for uh, early payment onto the platform, but they're not bringing in outside capital, such as you know the family offices or the professional investors. And then there's another uh, company, and they do purchase order financing rather than the uh, receivables financing. So oh, okay. Earlier in the supply chain. Right. So it's pretty interesting. Why do you think that? You attract. I mean, okay. So Hong Kong being one of the global financial centers, probably top four or five uh, potentially uh, fintech hubs in the world, and the potential to be top three. Uh, obviously, fintech is like is is so hot right now. Like everywhere I turn, I, I don't think I go a week without getting some sort of fintech conference in, invite or or what have you. So amongst this sort of you know hot immersion of of fintech players and startups and what do you think made Cupidal attractive to the point that, you know, the likes of Mindworks Ventures and Alibaba uh, would would make their very first uh, Hong Kong fintech investment in your company? I think it's more about our model. It's, you know, a proven business model that's worked overseas. And so there's not as much product risk um, going into uh, investing into our company. Um, and I think... They're more concerned about our execution and and they see that there's a large market that we're serving. It's, it's been a while since there's been you know, innovation in Hong Kong's SME lending space. So that's why I think uh, we're more attractive because uh, there's, you know, there's a proven model and there's also a large unserved market here. It's pretty exciting actually to 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 tap and you know quote unquote disrupt uh, a space that is quite niched I think um, and and hasn't been very active or, or or looked at frequently in the near past. So let's talk about your future plans then. Okay, you're fresh off a seed round, uh, which is which is great news. Obviously, you guys are going to have some good PR and you have uh, you know a little bit of momentum now that you have the seal of approval from uh, from Alibaba. What do you have planned for the capital that you raised? Uh, how are you going to put that back to use? And what are your future expansion plans? Right, so uh, we're going to continue to build and improve our technology and make sure that we uh, maintain our edge there. And another parts of the funding will be used yeah, for marketing, uh, sales, and then we may use part of the funding to explore yeah, different markets and work with lawyers to see how we can you know, implement our model in different places such as uh, Taiwan or uh, Thailand, Vietnam, where there's also a lot of uh, you know, exporters and manufacturer trading firms that need working capital. Right. And is China in your plans at all? I mean, obviously, you're 
have somewhat of the best <laughs> branded strategic partner if you decide to to enter that market yeah. is that in, in your future potentially but we uh, i think that uh china is very competitive space in this kind of um you know crowd lending or fintech space uh where there's actually a lot of already established players there so i think we're going to use our hong kong brand and uh you know reputation of hong kong being a financial hub to really trying to serve the Southeast Asian market first and make sure we uh, do that well before trying to venture into China. Got it. Well, Andy, it's been a, it's been a pleasure uh, speaking to you. Thank you for coming to the show. I just have a couple more questions as we look to wrap up here. Um, so my, the first of the last three questions, uh, let's say, is what does Cupido look like 10 years from now? Uh, and this is a question that I like to ask startup founders because I just I am curious as to what their grand vision is of the company. You know, some some founders like uh, to ride it until potentially an IPO and and will stick with it or die, <laughs> or some people are just trying to uh, to exit at some point. So what what do you have planned? Well, um, ten years from now, I'd like to be in you know ten markets. So a new market every year. We want to probably expand into different product lines as well. So not only receivables, but we can also move into, like I said, the riskier, uh, but higher return purchase order financing. And then, yeah, really create a, uh, a large database of SMEs and also uh, having a lot of data uh, on their uh, buyer's payment uh, behavior and that's going to give us uh, an edge on how we price uh, the receivables on our platform and also you know, give the funders the, the best uh, risk return ratio. Well, that's a very good answer. You could have said in 10 years, I want to be sitting on a beach, but yeah. <laughs> I think that is testament to your, uh, your commitment to growing your business. Second to last question is, if you had uh, one piece of advice for young startup founders or aspiring entrepreneurs, maybe looking to enter the fintech space or disrupt a part of one of the spaces within the, the fintech umbrella here in Hong Kong, or maybe just trying to, to break into a startup, what, what advice would you give to them? Yeah, just be resilient. Um, you know, going out and doing something new and taking a risk, uh, you're always going to encounter a lot of obstacles and make sure that you have a well-rounded team. That's a good, good and a very important part of the startup journey is that it's very hard to go at it alone because every person's wired differently. They all have their different strengths and weaknesses. So make sure that uh, your team complements each other and uh, you want to get as well-rounded a team as possible. Uh, and uh, you've got to be comfortable with not having all the information to make a decision. Just you know, make the best decision you can at a given moment and uh, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. That's a hard one, but it's part of the startup gig. So uh, <laughs> that's what I guess people are are investing in your you as a uh, leader to do. So making the hard decisions, right? Last question is really just where can people find you, follow you, and connect with you, and maybe learn a little bit more about Cupidal. Yeah, I'm actually not on you know Twitter or uh, <laughs> or Instagram and stuff like that. I just, uh, especially this year, has really been 
you know, cutting back on social media and just been focusing on the business. Yeah, they can find out more about Cupidal on our website, cupidal.com, and you can reach me probably through also contact at cupidal.com. <laughs> that would, those emails also get to me as well. So yeah, if, if anyone wants to, uh, you know, send me something, uh, I'm happy to receive it. Great. Thank you, Andy. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Congratulations again on your seed round. And it's, uh, it's going to hit the news and uh, or it's already hit the news. And so we are looking forward to seeing uh, the growth and uh, the success of Keep It All. So best of luck. Great. Thanks. I uh, look forward to speaking to you, with you again next time. All right. Take care. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.